Welcome to Counsel the Word, a podcast of the Center for Biblical Counseling and Discipleship. I'm your host, Keith Palmer, and today we're going to be talking about biblical counseling in other countries. All Christian ministries take place in a certain context, a specific culture or geographic location that is often unique. As an American pastor, most of my ministry takes place in the context of a local church in North Texas in the United States. But the reality is that Jesus is building His church around the world, and the movement of rediscovering biblical discipleship and biblical counseling is exploding around the globe. That's why I'm so grateful to have with us on the podcast today my friend, Pastor Juan Fernando Moncaya, or otherwise known as Pastor Hota. Pastor Hota is pastor at La Fuente Church in Quito, Ecuador, a church that is leading the way in biblical counseling training in Ecuador and in Latin America. Pastor Hota has also contributed to the Spanish Ministries of the Gospel Coalition and the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors. Over the last several months, I've had the privilege of getting to know Pastor Hota as his counseling supervisor as he pursues certification with ACBC. I was grateful to spend some time recently in Ecuador at his church for one of their counseling training events. We were able to sit down during my trip to chat together about biblical counseling in the context of Ecuador. Pastor Jota, thank you for being here with us. Uh, oh, dear brother, thank you. It's great to have you here in nice Quito, Ecuador, in the center of the world. <laughs> in the center of the world, that's right. And maybe we could just start, uh, could you just explain to us a little bit about your story? How did you become a believer, and how were you introduced to biblical counseling? Okay, yeah. Um, well, I grew up in a really moral family, going to Catholic school. Actually, my dad uh, got a scholarship so that he could study under the blessing of a Catholic uh, monsignor. Uh, so growing up, it was kind of clear that we were a strong Catholic family. Uh, with that in mind, uh, my dad always taught us to be really moral, to be nice people. You know, I was the kid that wouldn't get in trouble at all. Uh, talk nice with adults, hang out with adults. Um, at some point, um, in God's providence, there were some missionaries that ended up living a few blocks away from our, our house. Uh, we lived in the valley from here. And uh, these missionaries... Um, spoke English and my brother we had just returned from a trip in the States and my brother said like hey there's some Americans and I need to practice my English and so we went and knocked at their door literally we pursued them and we found out that they were having a really hard time with with various things with the transition so we took it as nice people as a role to be able to to, to help them here in Ecuador um, fast forward the story and they started to bring missionary teams and I knew enough English in which I would be able to translate for them so I remember just translating the gospel and saying like I believe most of this stuff but I really don't need this message as I am a really nice person mm -hmm. uh, all that changed at some point when there was a team with a lot of young people and what I started to realize is that the message that I was translating translated into their lives in a really clear way. Mm -hmm. uh, their life did look different than mine. Like their priorities were different than mine. Their desires were different than mine. You know, their their um, their motivation was different than mine. Mm -hmm. Although I was, I knew that I I knew about God as a Catholic. I realized that God did not know me. So the next year, after I translated with that team, that team asked me to come and hang out with them in California. So I ended up going there, and uh, during that summer, I think it was the summer of 98, I don't know what specific time, but I know that I returned home uh, with a new heart, and I had been transformed. 
when I returned, um, I realized that I needed a church. So I asked my parents to like, hey, why don't you guys uh, come with me? Because I need to come to, to church. And the crazy thing is that I remember uh, knowing, understanding at that point, enough of the gospel to realize that I needed to put off um, some of my old habits. Mm-hmm. And then I remember getting on the phone with my dad and saying like, I'm going to go back home, dad. And I am going to want to go to parties and I want to continue to do what I used to do before I left. But you need to tell me now. And my dad <laughs> told me, like, are you sure you're asking the right thing? And I regretted that decision a lot when I get back because I realized that, you know, my flesh still wanted to do that. But I, I felt out of like a fish out of water at that mm-hmm. point, you know. Um, yeah. And, and by God's grace, um, I, I became a believer, like, you know, just started growing. A year later, about a year later, my dad won a scholarship to go to the United States to George Washington University. And I moved there and I was um, God's sovereign hand and, and like his mercy because I couldn't find, we couldn't find a good solid church in Quito. So the Lord took me out of my element to kind of uh, help me trust in him more. And uh, years later, I ended up under the teaching of a dear brother who's one of my mentors now, who was a TMS, Master Seminary grad. And for the first time, got um, started to hear expository preaching. And I would say that from the moment of my conversion to that year, it's 98 to about 2001, 2002, it's when I started to really like grow, which is mm. kind of tragic to think about some of those things. Uh, because I started finally sitting sitting under the exposition of God's word, mm. yeah. Well, praise, <laughs> praise the Lord, brother, for His kindness in your life and your story. And mm. Thank you for sharing that. So, no, thank you, thank so you're in the states. Uh, you're being mentored by this master seminary graduate. Yeah. Uh, take us from there to how were you introduced to biblical counseling? Yeah. Well. Before that time, I was working, uh, just uh, kind of volunteering with uh, uh, a ministry that would travel around the United States doing Christian events. So one thing that I knew in my heart was that this gospel needs to be shared. So my methods were not the greatest, but my desire was there. So as we were traveling, I remember clearly staying at a house of, uh, of a dear family in New Hampshire. And this family had gone through a lot of really, really hard things. And they've tried everything that they could think about. And uh, right before that time, uh, let me back up a little bit. During that last year of the summer tour, I had got, gotten accepted to the master's uh, college at that point, now master's university. So during that time, everyone is introducing themselves and they tell me, what are you doing next year? And I said, I'm going to master's university. And this couple automatically opens up and shares like, you know what? We're so grateful because they do aesthetic counseling. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what that meant. <laughs> <laughs> so, I re- so then they start explaining to me what biblical counseling is. And I just remember, you know, they had tears in their eyes and they said, you know, uh, we've tried everything possible and nothing has worked until someone actually started counseling us from the word. Mm-hmm. And they literally had tried everything so I knew that masters the school that I was going had a biblical counseling degree and I didn't even know what that meant Uh, fast forward a little bit more and I am at masters and I start to see in reality a different part of the ministry of the word done really well and that really was transforming for me so I had been sitting under the preaching of God's word and I saw how that was just so key but now it was almost like the sniper way to just really get to the heart of people through the student life and the best part of it was that it wasn't the professional teachers or they were obviously ministering to us but they were students ministering to one another Mm -hmm. and for me that was just incredible because it wasn't that you needed to go and try to get an appointment with Dr. MacArthur to get like (laughs) ministered or with one of the professors but they were just students like pouring into each other Mm -hmm. and just looking what the heart was doing I remember that year that the student life uh, staff had even a t-shirt that had a heart on it 
Um, and I was just really excited to hear that. The next year, I was um, um, I, I was able to be part of servant leadership staff at Masters, and uh, and I started to get training on that. I mm-hmm. started to see how key this ministry was, mm-hmm. um, and that's kind of part of, of 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 my passion for biblical counseling because I've seen how important it's the exposition of God's word. But at the same time, also realizing the groundwork of like the one-on-one uh, private ministry, as Paul would say, you know, the pro- public and the private ministry, and I saw it there. Yeah. Very good. And of course, another thing you did to help in biblical counseling is you married a biblical counseling major, uh, <laughs> yes. your wife Marissa. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, the Lord's Lord. grace. God's <laughs> grace. Yes. Okay. So you're being introduced to biblical counseling. You meet your wife Marissa, uh, and take us from that point to coming back to Ecuador to be a pastor of a church? Yeah, well, uh, my desire was to stay in the United States. Uh, you know, uh, my, my major was actually business, and uh, I, I, I like to network with people. I think that's one of my gifts. And uh, through that, my desire was just to stay there, be perhaps I saw great, godly businessmen that would really be involved in their local churches, and I thought that, that would be my call. Little did I know that God was gonna, without my permission, change the plan. <laughs> so I graduated master's, some, some things happened in my life that uh, my plans were broken. And uh, the next year, uh, I ended up just uh, having to return home. Uh, and my desire was to go actually to the unreached people groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as I returned back to my homeland, the land of uh, Jim Elliott, um, I realized there was a great need for, for this specific ministry, you know, gospel, Christ-centered, word-saturated ministry of the word. Um, so with that in mind, I got here, got to connect with some dear people, and uh, we started praying over church planting. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we started church planting uh, a, few, a year later, um, it was pretty clear in my heart and the heart of my wife that the ministry needed to be, had those, those um, I would say, part of the DNA would be the public ministry and the private ministry of the world. So we started talking about biblical counseling from the, from the way beginning, you know? Um, so yeah. That's awesome. Um, would you share with us, what is your vision for biblical counseling in Ecuador and oh. beyond? <laughs> share us your heart, brother. Yeah. Well, I think I could, I could approach that question in, in various ways. One of them is that I am extremely excited, and we live in Ecuador. I, I get the privilege with people that are serving Latin America to live in a, in a time in which is really exciting, you know. Um, just to give you an idea, we translated some videos of biblical counseling a few years back from some profs from, from the Master's College. Uh, and they were great videos, but when we were translating that, that was around the year 2012 to 2014, we had a really hard time finding the resources that would be on the on the um, on the end on the end notes. You know, saying like, if you want more resources, please look at this books. And we could find one or two resources from those lists. And since then, so it's almost um, maybe 10 years, maybe a little less than 10 years, actually probably like six. In those last six years, we've seen that it's exploded. Now you can find a lot of those resources. There's a lot of translation going on. And people say that there's a really great kind of an awakening, perhaps, in Latin America, in which people are getting tired and realizing that God's word is more, obviously, it's against, actually, um, just the prosperity gospel that it's so good, uh, that you see it everywhere here, uh, liberation theology, etc. And people are really going back to wanting to have good theology. So that's really, really exciting. That's something brand new. Now... My concern is that many times a lot of that teaching, it's rightly focused on expositors, and that's key, and that's super important, and I'm expositor, you're expositor, you know, I get, part of my testimony includes being sitting under the exposition of God's word, and that is absolutely important. However, what I realize in my own life, and that's what Paul says, is that he 
pre uh, preach publicly and he also ministered house to house. And I think that it could be dangerous for us to have this awakening in which we're focusing so much on pastors without equipping the church to do the one-on-one, -on -one, the, yes. the one-another ministry. That, okay, so how do we now help those people that are sitting under the preaching of God's word and leave that preaching of God's word saying like, wow, like I am a sinner. Oh my, like I remember one situation specifically in which someone left us like I can't live in sin right now that I'm living with my with, with this person that I'm not married to. Mm -hmm. So how do you help that person now then be obedient and walk through them and, and do those that kind of stuff? So so my desire and my passion and as you mentioned like what, what is my dream is being able to see um, in Latin America and hopefully around the world uh, a training that includes both aspects mm -hmm. in which we're teaching pastors to be great expositors. Uh, and if I can use, I think, a term that Dr. Street said, that they're not only expository preachers, but expository uh, counselors. And, and I love that, you know. Yes. We need to be able to, to, to treat the text really well, cut it straight in the counseling room, and the one-on-one, -on -one. and not only for the pastor, and we sit under great speaker, because it can become a conference mentality, if you know what I mean, in right. which people just want to go and like sit under this guy that exposes the word really well. Praise God for that. But now how do we get to do the same ministry on the one-on-one -on -one as we disciple our kids, as we talk with our co-workers, we talk with a friend, etc. Yeah, oh, praise God. That's awesome. That's awesome. So along those lines, uh, tell me, what have you been able to develop in terms of your church's uh, ministry of training counselors and also yeah. doing counseling? Uh, could you speak to that? Yeah, um, this is one of my favorite stories to share. Um, so as I mentioned to you, we started wanting for the DNA of our church to be biblical counseling. So with that in mind, we found some videos with uh, with Dr. Street and uh, uh, the Biblical Counseling Discipleship Association in Southern California, dear brother uh, Wayne Johnston. And we found those videos and we got a conversation and said, like, hey, do you mind if we just translate this these videos that just give the basics, basics, basics of biblical counseling? And we just want to pass it to our, to our leadership staff. Uh, and at that point, our church was probably 20 people, so like five people that are in leadership. So we translate those videos, we do a voiceover, we translate the notes and the PowerPoints so that when you see the screen, it's everything Spanish. Uh, you don't need to read uh, the, what is it called, the subtitles. Mm -hmm. um, so we put it online, and I'm checking, you know, I said like, hey, guys in leadership, we all need to watch this, we'll watch this. So then I see that one view, two views, three views, four views, five views. I'm like, okay, everybody watched it. And then within a few weeks, we see 50 views. And then within a few months, we have like hundreds of views. Mm -hmm. And right now, I think the video has like 8,000 views. Oh uh, and what has started to happen is that we started to get emails saying like, please continue to translate this. There's nothing like it in Spanish. So we get back to Wayne and we say like, dear brother, there's a huge interest on this. And by God's grace, we were able to translate 28 hours of training. Wow. Now... Uh, so that was super exciting, and we have people from from Mexico, Dominican Republic, Colombia, Peru. There's a guy that emailed us that is uh, Hispanic living in Iceland that is watching the videos. <laughs> super exciting. Um, but but then at the end of the day, what, what transformed me was not just getting the content, but getting uh, being able to see it. So as part of one of my projects for seminary, I actually took all those videos and, uh, and, and, and molded that into a specific training program in which we're not only watching videos, but we're doing readings, we're getting class time with, with someone that is counseling, and we created just a class, kind of um, uh, in some ways using a little bit of the structure that I saw at the MABC level, a Master of Arts of Biblical Counseling, which includes a personal sanctification project. And we just threw that as part of our, of our, of our training um, programs at the church. Wow, that's... It's really as I've gotten to know you better being here in Ecuador and being a part of some training and, and seeing the material and all that. Just really impressed and thankful for the Lord for the way Praise you've God. been able to translate all this and, and put together a really 
uh, robust and comprehensive training program. So it's very yeah, encouraging. <laughs> yeah. Uh, tell us, how has your church received all of this? Uh, tell us about how you've seen sort of the, your passion for biblical counseling and exposition, preaching and counseling. Uh, how have you seen that filter down into an excitement in your people? Yeah. Um, we're still a uh, church in diapers, so we're still kind of <laughs> growing in this area. But, but I think that um, we, we just keep try to keep church somewhat just simple. So we have Sunday celebrations on Sunday, and then during the week we have community groups. And our community groups, what we've done, it's, uh, it's, it's uh, uh, from the sermon, we have uh, application questions that we discuss in community groups. And the desire is not to stay just hearers of the word, but doers of the word. So now, the cool thing is that biblical counseling training Yes, it could refer to the formal counseling aspects, but all the curriculum really helps see what does it mean to make disciples. So it's been really neat to see how in community groups, when someone asks something or if someone shares a prayer request, you start to see people start to start to say like, so what is what's happening at the heart level? You know, or ministering really effectively, or just even thinking of the best passages in Thessalonians in which you know some of them need to be encouraged, some of them need to be exhorted. Uh, held up, you know, and, and just you start to see that starting to happen uh, at the level of local church and also just at the personal level of people's relationships, you know, and I think that's the key part, that I feel sometimes people think biblical counseling is just how do we counsel formally, but biblical counseling is just discipleship, so those these tools are, are used in every in every area of, of, of life, you know? And not only just in the one-on-one -on -one between people talking, but just people taking the class and leaving and saying like, wow, like I realize that this issue that even that sometimes I've, I've looked for someone to help me with, it's something that I, I could just go to the word and, and get answers from, you know? Yes. I don't know if that's... That <laughs> no, that's, that's it. You know, it's, it's having that discipleship, um, uh, that discipleship focus that's across the board in church. It's yeah. not just formal counseling, it's discipleship at all yeah. levels and all that. And, and to see... Uh, your people begin to get a taste of that and, and buy into that is very gratifying. Um, so you have a really interesting perspective. You're an Ecuadorian American. Mm -hmm. You're fluent yes. in Spanish and English. Mm -hmm. you, you lived in the States. You studied in the States. Now you're back here doing pastoral ministry. Yeah. You grew up here. Um, what are some of the differences you see between biblical counseling mm -hmm. and discipleship ministry in the States versus some of, maybe some of the challenges and facets of that counseling that you see here in Ecuador? Um... um that's a really good question that could right, we could go in any, any possible way. I think one of them, let me just speak to some things. The first one I would say that it just the big difference is that sometimes churches that are doing biblical counseling in the States have strong ecclesiology. In Latin America, and I think even in our context, ecclesiology is not really that, that, that important. You know, And that's another thing that I think as, as the new good doctrine movement is happening in Latin America, it's important to realize that, you know, talking about the doctrines of grace and talking about, uh, you know, uh, um, um, uh, so, uh, the sovereignty of God and salvation, all those things occur in the context of, of the local church. That's like the play field, I would say, you know, like that's the play field where, where those things occur. And I feel that right now, uh, just even with the use of the of the internet, people could like listen to great pastors without ever going to a church, and then feeling like, well, like I, I mean, I can find someone that preaches like that, and you won't find someone that preaches like that. <laughs> um, uh, but they don't go to church, so I think that some of it, um, it, it's the fact that biblical counseling needs to be structured in the context of a local church, and I feel that even in other ministries as well. So I think that a big difference would be um, the need for biblical counseling to not just be biblical counseling, but as, as we know, real biblical counseling comes out from a correct hermeneutic, from a correct uh, systematics and biblical theology, etc. Uh, and just helping in Latin America, people realize that whole 
part, you know, that, that biblical counseling needs to be part of a, of a local church uh, perspective and that the local church is going to be the people that are going to encourage those people being counseled. Um, in, in, in our context, what you see a lot is like someone's struggling through stuff and they would say like, you know what, like right now I'm too hurt to go to church. So I'm going to just take a break from church. And with that, they're cutting themselves specifically from the avenues that God has provided for them to grow. So I think that would be one of the things. And I'm sure this is true in the States as well, but but I see specifically here in, in Ecuador. Two, that's connected to just a professionalization, I think is the word, of counseling as well. Uh, the last, um, I would say, uh, lately, there's a big push here by missionaries that please send us um, um, Christian counselors or psychologists. So with that in mind, it almost undermines, once again, the authority of the local church and translates, especially because these missionaries come in wanting to just counsel, that the local pastors cannot do that. Let this be done by those people that come in from overseas and they are really qualified to do this kind of work. So that, that is, that's dangerous on its, on its own. Uh, and again, it continues to encourage people to want to, uh, for the pastors to just not not, not focus on, on their job. Mm-hmm. I think those are two things. Uh, the third one, I would say, and, and this is not that much of a difference because we sin everywhere. You know, people mm-hmm. in the States sin, people in Ecuador sin. Uh, it's just <laughs> being, being able to, to talk through what does that look like? What are the cultural, um, just sins that are just culturally common, I would think. You know, mm-hmm. so machismo, you know, shamanism. Mm-hmm. In Latin America, it's huge. So, so being able to, to, to talk through those things in a deep way. Um, um, another thing is just, um, oh, it escaped my mind right now. But um, I think it just escaped me <laughs> right now. I had one more. Um, so, like, what would be some, like, common counseling topics that you would see in this culture? Just the kind of things you as a pastor see every day, you know, regularly in yeah. Ecuadorian culture. I would say that one of them is just the growth um, um of, of um, I would say one is addictions. It's grown a lot in Latin America addictions. Uh, just uh, uh, pornography and sexual sin. It's it's huge. Uh, I was looking at some studies and it shows that in Latin America, um, it's one of the main markets for downloads. So so that kind of problems mm-hmm. and also just as a culture, we're more secretive and a little bit of a shame based culture as mm-hmm. well. So so that that takes a little bit of of of, of, of getting used. To. Then also just the idea of syncretism. That's what I wanted to say. Mm-hmm. You know, just that that. In our context, everyone, if you come from a Catholic background, most people would say that, you know, like, they talk about Jesus, they will use some of the same terminology, but they're not meaning the same thing. So then even when you counsel, you need to be really careful and clarify those terminologies before that. Because here you would say, most people would say, like, you know what, like, I'm going through a problem, I'm going to ask Diosito to help me, I'm going to ask God to please help me. Mm But the way that they're doing that is not a biblical counseling perspective. So I think that was the next thing I wanted to say is that we need to really define what true biblical counseling is. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, biblical counseling is not just sprinkling some Bible verses through some secular ideas or just um, biblical counseling because I do believe in the Bible. Uh, so I think that is really key in Latin America. Uh, and, and because we've talked a lot about like spiritual um uh, sanity, I don't know, sanidad, so it would be just the whole idea of uh, spiritual healing and mm-hmm. things like that, so it's really easy for people to think that biblical counsel is just one more perspective of like, you know, um, uh, just telling a demon to leave you and things mm-hmm. like that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, brother, I've so enjoyed this conversation, <laughs> and I just want you to know I consider you a good friend, uh, hermano in Cristo, <laughs> and uh, it's been such a joy getting to know you through the ACBC certification mm-hmm. process. You're almost done. Yes. We're really excited about that and so thankful for what the Lord is doing through you and your church, mm-hmm. uh, La Fuente here in Quito, Ecuador. Um, 
we may have some listeners that are Spanish speakers yeah. or know friends that uh, yeah. speak Spanish, and mm-hmm. I would love for you to link them to your website so yeah. they can access some of these resources. Do you want to yeah. give that information for us? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first, thank you so much, dear brother. It's been such a joy to, to, to be uh, shepherd and supervised by you, dear brother. Well, so yeah, uh, la página en español es La Fuente. UIO, UIO es the, 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 la, el código de la ciudad de Quito, entonces la fuente uio.com slash consejería. Entonces la fuente uio.com slash consejería. And in that page you can find um, the opportunities that we have to, uh, to train. We've tried to make all the resources available online. A lot of our resources are available online for anyone that just wants to download them. And uh, you can get an access specifically to the 28 hours of training. Um, so yeah, entonces en esa página usted puede encontrar varios recursos en español, todo está um, gratuitamente y usted puede ahí encontrar 28 horas de capacitación en consejería bíblica. Mm-hmm. Well, praise the Lord, brother, and we're so thankful for your work. Keep up the good work. May God give you grace and bless your ministry, and I just appreciate your friendship, and thanks for your time today. Uh, thank you, dear brother. Can I say just one more thing? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I just wanted to, to thank uh, just uh, uh, dear listeners and, and perhaps pastors and people that have an interest in overseas instruction and in, in, uh just in, in equipping uh, the saints for soul care. And, and uh, just my my appeal to you is just to, to encourage uh, people around the world to just, just not see biblical counseling just as an extra thing, you know, an extra ministry, but just as a key part of any training overseas. You know, as, as an Ecuadorian, as I put my Ecuadorian hat on, I realized that a big need in other places is just a centrality of scripture to show how we can minister um, and, and, and bring the gospel to bear in the lives of people and that's an ability that we need to help uh, locals around the world to understand how to do uh, and I think that we can easily miss that so, so I, my appeal to you as an Ecuadorian is, um, is thank you so much for investing around the world and, uh, and just, just let's encourage one another to, to do that well both for you guys in the States and for us uh, in Ecuador or around the world Amen, thank you so much <laughs> thank you brother thank you brother Thank you for listening to Counsel the Word. For more information about CBCD, please visit our website at thecbcd.org.